You're listening to Tech Talk Central. Hello, this is uh, Vicky Colovo for Tech Talk Central, and I'll be interviewing Philip Martins from Centaeans. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to pronounce that one. He's the founder and chief product officer of Centaeans. I liked what I read um, about Centaeans, how it makes smart devices intelligence. So, uh, first of all, thank you for this interview. Thank you for having me. That's great. So, I need you to describe what Centaeans is. I'll try to keep it short and sweet. Um, so basically what we've developed is mobile software development kits, so technology that is looking at the sensors that are present on the smartphone, like a gyroscope, an accelerometer, GPS, you name it. And based on the information that we get from these sensors, we build uh, rich contextual profiles that are actually based on the true behavior you're exposing. And also uh, give... Um, this back to developers so developers can start building very personalized experiences on mobile just as a very you know introductionary example our algorithms uh, learn for example whether or not you're driving or whether or not you're in a car or walking or sleeping and this is picked up uh, automatically in the background so the user does not need to enter anything into the device obviously so this is learned and the moment this behavior is learned it's given back to the developer so a developer can start you know can start making all kinds of cool and you know context aware um, experiences so you, you mentioned gyroscope but as long as the mobiles keep on developing um, you'll probably be adding new stuff. Like uh, I know I did an interview with somebody in M Health where they um, they could count uh, breath. Now they could do breath analysis and that. So obviously you're sort of yeah, exactly. So uh, obviously when you look at the latest Samsung, for example, S uh, S phones. Um, they have approximately 12 sensors in it. Obviously, this goes way beyond uh, also accelerometer, but more, more and more we see new kinds of sensors going in, like uh, heart rate monitoring or heart rate sensors or galvanic skin response sensors that pick up sweat from the skin. Um, so in that respect, we also equally interface with uh, different kinds of wearables to get access to, those, to that sensor data as well. So, yeah. so, so what's the monetization model? Where are, you make, where are you making your money from? So first of all, we don't make money directly from our end from end users because you know we don't build a consumer application. It's a software development kit, so we make our money off uh, daily active users that we bill on a monthly basis, and we charge this obviously to our clients. And currently, where our clients are, um, our first batch of clients, and we're still getting a lot of traction in that field, is an insurance industry. That was pretty weird for us to be. Uh, lumped into the insurance industry, but uh, quickly we found out basically that by observing and learning someone's driving behavior, which we are pretty good at, we get accuracies up to 95%. Um, so really accurate driving profiles that insurance companies now for the first time in their history are capable of offering super personalized premiums to their clients. It's quite impressive. So um, just to go a step back, tell me first of all where you're based. And then uh, I'll add a second question. Did you, do you have funded? Have you funded? So we're an Antwerp, Belgium-based uh, company, startup. Um, we're still venture capital-backed. Um, however, we are uh, doing revenue, but we are heavily investing and in expanding in team. So we just uh, opened an office in, in Singapore as well, um, just like last week. <laughs> um, and um, so... 
this couldn't be couldn't this couldn't have been done without uh, you know external capital. So right now we just closed a, uh, a Series A of two million dollars. This will you know this will be two and a half million dollars in the next couple of months still. That's uh, that's great. So are you thinking about the states also going over there? So we're also thinking about uh, approaching the American market, the North American market. Uh, for the very obvious reason, there's a lot of use cases also in the advertising industry, mobile advertising industry more specifically. And so in that respect, we are now also talking to some clients in, in New York and in North America. Um, since you did identify insurance companies, I think it'd be huge to go in the States, because especially there. But do you think there is a competition? Oh yeah, um, so going into the States or whatever market actually for that matter, there's, there is a lot of competition. Actually, there isn't that much competition in the field of having um, context to where technology providers like we are that offer that amount of accuracy, but there is a lot of competition coming from traditional companies. Like in the US you have Progressive for example, um, typically companies that work with black boxes in the insurance industry. Um, so they do profiling, car-centric profiling based on a black box. This is quite costly. While we do driver-centric profiling on a smartphone, which is you know, less costly. Uh, so if they would to offer to buy you out, would you accept? Right now, we wouldn't. <laughs> uh, for a very, uh, just two very simple reasons. One is that uh, we're too young. I mean, we have not, you know, fulfilled our duty yet. We haven't disrupted enough yet. So, you know, we first need to earn our stripes. And second of all is uh, if, if we're still in the field of uh, we're here to play, not to exit. Uh, we're here to build a cool company and we want to be a, a global player, a global dominant player in the context of where computing. Um, I liked what you said actually. Uh, I love startups that stick around for some time and don't think about selling. Uh, I think there's probably prospects also in the M health sector, in the health sector, what you're doing, um, counting perspiration, all that, sweat, breath, and all that. There's huge opportunities there. Do you think so too? Yeah, uh, we see this through. Uh, we're currently doing some proof of concepts where we're working on identification and prediction of uh, epileptic seizures, for example. Um, we have one proof, rudimentary proof of concept working already in this field. We're d obviously, we're not doing this on our own. This is done jointly with uh, research partners, but also clients, early clients, basically. Um, but equally important is, is working on post-traumatic stress, for example. Uh, there are many, many applications out there. And as a company, as Sentience, as a company, we, uh, we prefer to continue to act as a technology platform, enabling companies to start building these, these uh, solutions on, on mobile as well, or wearables for that matter, because in healthcare we see a lot of wearable activity instead of smartphone activity. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of applications in there. Yeah. Um, is there patents involved in, in your product? Yeah, there's a, there are multiple patents involved, uh, a couple of them. Most of them are still, you know, under, under uh, scrutiny and still pending, as they call it. Uh, a couple of them have been granted as well. Um, and uh, as part of our, because we're a very research-driven organization, uh, especially in the fields of deep learning and, you know, or in other disciplines in artificial intelligence, is uh, we the output of this is A, our product, and B, patents. So, yeah, yeah. So, what kind of team are you? Can you tell us a bit about your team? 
very weird team. We're a very crazy team. <laughs> no, it's a, it's, it's a crazy team because we, we, it's a multidisciplinary team for the obvious reasons that when, we deal, when you deal with sensors, you're dealing with signal processing. When you deal with artificial intelligence working with sensors, you're dealing with a very niche discipline in artificial intelligence called reservoir computing, for example. Um, but also you're equally involved with building context-aware and intelligent user experiences. So this means we, we also have people on board that come from a psychology background, that have experience in user interface design. So it all ties together and we have we are pretty happy and, and pretty proud actually to have to have been able to attract really great talent in multiple fields of expertise. And but this is definitely one of our bigger challenges as well, to keep this you know, hiring going on of, of high potentials and talent. Right now we're 16 people, but we need to be 40, uh, 45 people by, you know, around this time next year. So it's a huge challenge to find the talent. That's true, and it's fascinating. So where do you think, where do you see the future of Centaeans going? Where do you see it going? The future of Centaeans will largely be determined by the future of mobile and wearables in general. And I guess in that respect, that we're entering a future of what we would call ambient intelligence, where you know devices like a smartphone or a wearable has this le additional level of intelligence, that or even cars for that matter, in homes, you name it. I mean, we're talking about a trillion, over one trillion of sensors that will be interconnected by 2020. And if if sensors are the eyes and the ears of the internet, then who's building the brain, right? And actually, we're one of the companies that. No, we want to build a brain. We want to accumulate all of this data, which is meaningless in, it, in itself. It's meaningless. But when you start combining and tying this all together, you're actually performing the function of this synthetic brain. So that, that was going to be my next question. So obviously you're collecting a lot of data. And usually when I do interviews, it's, yeah, the data is there, but we don't do anything with it. So what do you do with the data? Okay. So... so First of all, we do a lot with the data, so I'm never going to tell anyone that we're not going to do anything with the data. No, it's, it's our core business, right? And, and there's a couple of things, because this is a borderline question on, on privacy and ethics and morality and all. And, and this is a very valid question, A, but B, on the, on the, on going straight out of the door, I think we also should become more aware of the fact that aggregating this data and processing this data and turning it into, into useful experiences and added value, right, for the end user, is something that in the next couple of years we simply cannot live without. And when we talk about artificial intelligence and when you take what we're building to be the equivalent of a brain, right, our brain needs sugar, blood, oxygen, right? Data is that oxygen and, 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 and blood and sugar because and if we would cut that cord, this would be the equivalent of performing a lobotomy on artificial intelligence. This would just stop innovation in its track. So in that respect, I'm a heavy proponent of, of I wouldn't say relaxing uh, the privacy uh, laws, but rather looking at it from a different angle and taking more of ethics and morality into the, into the equation rather than only privacy. Privacy is only one aspect. Uh, I tend to agree with you. And... Uh I don't know if you've got the same impression as I do that sensors and technology are really running forward. But I wonder who's going to be doing the analyzing if we've got the specialists, the people who know how to do the analytics, analyze it. Because you compared it amazingly to a brain. 
And as we know in humans, there's different brains. There's dumb brains, smart brains. And we analyze data that we receive in a brain different way and have different perceptions. I believe there's an issue that there's a big gap of specialists in analyzing all this data. What's your opinion? Um, I, I completely concur with your observation that there's a lot of lack of talent or lack of intelligence basically of, of handling more and more of these kinds of data. This problem is specifically even worse when you deal with sensor data because actually labeling or interpreting the sensor data is in itself not an easy feat to do. It's something that we don't, are as humans even incapable of doing. Mind you, this is real-time data. This is highly unstructured data. These are just sequences at very high rates of just numbers. And I'm going to ask you the question, what do you make of it? Nothing. You can't make anything out of it. And this is why exactly we're, we have come to, to terms with this problem with a, a two-fold solution. One is, that's why we're using deep learning as, as a tool for us to automatically surface structures and patterns and features from this nonsical levels of high dimensional sensor data. And once these features emerge, this is where we are closely working together with other clients or with subject matter experts, a doctor, for example, or a psychiatrist who could look together with us at that data and go like, hey, wait a minute, this looks like an epileptic seizure or this looks like a depression or, you know, this looks like a kind of behavior that I as an expert understand, but, you know, and this is how we, how we tackle this problem. So we heavily rely on artificial intelligence for helping us humans to, to interpret this data. Okay, um, I think we just touched the surface. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of conversation around it. Uh, I'm sure next year, if I ask you, you'll have more to contribute. Um, but I'm tempted to ask you about artificial intelligence and all the conversation you know that's been going on online and a lot of high-profile people talking about artificial intelligence destructing humanity. What's your opinion? Well, <laughs> I'm talking just from my you know, my academic background, and um, I have a really tough time answering this because one hand, so I'm going to give you a dual answer on this. Um, I'll, I'll leave the listeners to make up their own minds. First of all, right now, the level of artificial intelligence globally is at the age of a, a three or four-year-old. I mean, it's, it's pretty harmless. Um, I think the bigger danger lies when we go from, when we hit puberty, <laughs> I mean, uh, there is strong and weak AI. Right now we're talking weak AI. Weak AI means that it, these are expert systems and this also means that humans still have very, are very much in control still how you know, artificial intelligence is being employed. And if it's one thing that we have learned is there's artificial intelligence and there's human stupidity. And I, I'm pretty good at that last one. So inevitably there will be errors being made. We, there will be breaches in privacy. There will be self-driving cars is going to crash. There will be a lot of stuff that's going to go wrong before it gets better. When it gets better in terms of artificial intelligence, this is where, and in, as you said, listening to not even like local startups and talking to like uh, Elon Musk or, or even Dr. Hawkins, they express their concerns in terms of, of, of what strong AI could look like. And in that respect, I kind of um, agree to them that if there is a strong AI or a strong sentient algorithm, um, this could philosophically uh, be considered to be the demise of humanity. 
However, I think we should only ask a question as human species, what our role exactly is of this planet. I mean, we're very young, perhaps it's our time we could phase out, for example. I mean, we've fulfilled our role, we've created a higher level of intelligence, and perhaps we could phase out, or, and this is where I stand, or we just could continue to embrace technology and make technology become a part of our human body. Because when you look at the evolutionary theory, right now, our biological organisms uh, are less you know, move slower than our technological evolutionary stories. So perhaps we should start incorporating technology inside our bodies and upgrade our system, you know, actually upgrade our human body with technology. And this is, you know, singularity or transhumanism, which is it's also called. And I think this is the only way forward. If we don't, we will, could be considered to be, you know, an evolutionary dead end. Okay, I think we'll wrap it up. Thank you very much, Philip, uh, for talking to us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> okay, so this is Vicky Kolovo for Tech Talk Central, and I spoke with Philip Martins from Sentience. Um, I think it was an amazing speech, especially the, all, the artificial intelligence stuff. Um, by the way, uh, just a quick note, uh, your website. I need your website. Uh, you can visit us on www.sentience.com. This is S-E is my personal Twitter handle is F Martins, but the company's is uh, Sentience. Great, thank you, bye. You're listening to Tech Talk Central.